see something out of the corner of my eye. I turn around. He's doing jumping jacks out in the middle, basically like in the middle of a field where we're like squatted down behind this little knob. And I'm trying to like keep everybody quiet, keep everything everybody holding still. Hold you know? still. Out of the backpack comes a pair of Levi's, a plaid shirt, cowboy hat, mirror cop shades, 357. <laughs> I got a grown man laying on his back on the ground crying, yelling at me. Hey, everyone. This is Tyler Friel, and you're listening to Tundra Talk. Um, in the quote-unquote studio, I have my good buddy Frank Schultz back once again for more. This is Doll Sheep Studio. Doll Sheep Studio. See, I think in here I can get more work done because I'm my computer's facing away from all my sheep. Don't you get reflection off the screen, though? Well, then I'll just turn around. <laughs> I got the swiveling chair, so yeah, there you go. I I mentioned to Tyler that with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sheep and a goat, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bear skulls and some bear hides and some fox and grizzly bear and uh, lynx over there maybe there's a whole pile of stuff i got a blue, I, I got a blue lynx in that pile <clears throat> wow mister he's got a blue lynx that's even more <laughs> i wouldn't get anything done <laughs> i i was like man it must be hard to get anything done in here all i don't want to do is just stare at the wall of animals all the time that but he, but he that does. one get that one gets me that ram gets me yeah that one's the one it's like staring right at you when you're sitting at your desk too um he does have it set up so that you can he's looking out the window and not at all of the animals on the wall so i guess it's a little less distracting but yeah you you put them where you got room i got th- I, three in the ha- three rams in the house and a black bear and yeah i st- Still don't know where I'm going to put the rest of my stuff. I don't have room for it. No, but. that's just it. That's a bad problem. It's a good. It's a bad problem. It's a good problem to have. I know the the little amount of sheep that I have in my house. I can just sit there and stare at those things for hours. That one was my first one, and I don't know how many hours I have burned staring at that thing <laughs> over the years. Oh man, yeah, it's a beautiful ram. But it's nice, you know, where we were, you know, living the past few years basically since i got married my wife and i um just didn't have room for hardly any of my sheep and so they were over at my one of my uncle's places kind of where i've still got some other stuff but uh it's nice to have them have them back and together the sheep herd's happy when they're together yeah can you imagine seeing this many all these legal rams all together and one all herded up together on the side of a mountain i wouldn't know what to think no <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we're uh, we're back at it, and uh, and wanted to talk to Frank a little bit today about some funny guiding stories. There's uh, I met <laughs> I met I met Frank, you know, through some guiding. We were both working for the same guy, and I haven't done a ton of guiding. I have my assistant guide's license, and more on a more for the reason of helping out. A handful of guys when they need help the guide's life really is not for me totally but uh i don't know over the years we've known each other i mean i've heard some doozies and i got a few doozies myself and i will i will add a uh, disclaimer or whatever that if you find yourself listening to one of these and it sounds super familiar we are not making fun of you personally 
No. Um, this is just, you know, just, for, <laughs> from our perspective is doing, is doing some guiding in Alaska. Um, just some of the crazy the, and, and the things that grown men and women will do and say sometimes is blows my mind. Yeah. And the one other thing I would add is, is, and kind of plays in with the not being any, any, nothing personal is I know you know, you come up to a totally different place. You're a little out of your element. Oh, for sure. You know, like yeah. the one guided trip I got to go on because one of my editor's passport was expired. Um, I found myself fumbling for stuff that normally is just not a big deal. But uh, anyway, with that, um, Frank, how many years did you guide down there on a Fognac? On and off for... Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. And we're talking brown bears, black-tailed deer. Elk. And elk. Fox, shooting fox in the mix of that and ducks. And, yeah. Um, otters. River otters. River otters. Yeah. Not sea let's, otters. Let's, let's clarify that, I guess. <laughs> be a first thing. Um, yeah, there's definitely... I've pretty much um, strayed away in the last... Jeez four years three years i guess i haven't i haven't gone down there i haven't guided anything I've basically been since offered. you offered since been, you started sheep hunting basically <laughs> yeah i guess it was about a year after maybe two years after i did some stuff but i've definitely um strayed away from it and that's i mean i've had plenty of offers people asking me to guide sheep hunts moose hunts all sort of stuff and it's kind of like it's kind of the reason why i strayed away from it was because I wasn't able to hunt. I wasn't being able to do this, you know, the stuff that I really thoroughly enjoyed doing. Yeah. You know, I was out there and I was still hunting, but it's, it's different. It it is different when you, it's a big difference, really huge. You know, when you're guiding, you're, you're still, even if you're still doing, you know, like guiding a sheep hunt or going on a sheep hunt yourself, I say that I have not guided a sheep hunt, but you're, when you're, it adds a whole, I don't even know how to put, really describe it, but it, there's a lot more stress and pressure. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot more things to worry about when you're guiding a client than just hunting for yourself. Right. Yeah. You're taking basically what we talked about a while back about, um, geez, I wouldn't just go out sheep hunting with any random person. Well, then you're taking it to the level of you're going out sheep hunting with a random person. A every, totally. A totally random, random person every single time that you go out sheep hunting, which for some of these guys can be six, eight, ten times a year, you know, depending on how many clients that yeah. they have. Um, so, yeah, I've strayed away from the whole guiding thing and am much happier since getting out of it. Uh, but... Not to say that there wasn't some really good good times and yeah. <laughs> good laughter to be had when I was doing it. Yeah, well, and and from my limited experience with it, you get the you you see the entire range of hunting proficiency and personalities. I mean, there's there there's a lot of people that you know, like you know, one guy in particular I'm thinking of that you know helped guided his brown bear hunt and uh, with. Luke and Josh and 
and still talk to him on occasion. Just a super cool guy, you know. Yeah, no, kind of on the on the same wavelength, and you know, you meet some re- and get to hunt with some really cool people, and then you get to hunt with some people that not necessarily say not cool, but but people that just are on a different wavelength. <laughs> yeah, that's that is for sure. I guess I can. I could start it off by telling a story that's not even one of mine that Luke came back from fishing in the summer one day and was like, you wouldn't believe what I was asked today on the boat. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know, can't be that crazy. Boat full of adults. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It can get crazy. (laughs) He said, he looked at me all, all seriousness and he was like, somebody asked me today, looked at me and asked me, at what point in time are we at sea level sitting in a boat? In the on Gulf, the ocean in, in the gulf of alaska and <laughs> he said he looked over the side of the rail of the boat and looked down he's like i don't know you're maybe 24 inches off the water <laughs> <laughs> and of course the the person immediately was fully embarrassed you yeah. know they they asked a question that they didn't think about for a couple of seconds before they asked it but uh there's just a lot of a lot of very interesting stuff with guiding that i noticed i noticed one of the other things that i noticed right right away was that these people everybody that would come to the lodge that i worked at would be flown in Mm -hmm. and so oh there's an airplane coming to come down you're getting everybody's bags and getting them situated whether it be people coming in the summer to fish or bear hunters or people in the fall to deer hunt almost everyone i would say 80 percent of the people that came there had new shoes on. Hmm. And I was always like, so so strange that everybody that gets off this plane, and then I start really, lo- once I, I'm clued into it, yeah, I'm like doing a little survey of my own kind of thing, yeah. and I'm like, okay, are they, how many people that come off out of this beaver, six people are going to get off there, how many of them are going to have new shoes on? <laughs> and boy, almost always, well, I started talking about it one night, and it was basically laid out like, well, most of these people live in a city somewhere. They don't have a pair of beat-up hiking boots laying in the corner. Like, you got yeah. six pairs probably laying around, you yeah. know, if not more. Most people have got a pair of sneakers or tennis shoes. and Or those uh, or those dress. Every time I go out of the state or, you know, go to SHOT Show or something, Vegas, like you see guys wearing, which I'm sure in that, Lower 48 <laughs> culture is totally like fashionable dress shoe wear. And I'm just like, I can't, I had to buy a new pair of shoes for to shot go show there. this year. Yeah. Cause I did, you know, that's, you know, yeah. buy a new pair of tennis shoes. I couldn't find mine. Cause it's just, I tried walking in boots, you know, one year and that was the last of that. But right. I, you know, I think, oh, you go to the shoe store and I'm looking at stuff like, Yeah. That's this. That's the only time I would ever need this. Ever wear this? Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, that, and that's what the way it was boiled down to for me was. They were like, "Well, these people probably look at your shoes and think, God, look at those dirty, <laughs> look at this slob, <laughs> dirty old <laughs> slovenly shoes. Look at this guy, yeah. you know." But then they hang out out there for a few days and. They look at me and they say, wow, I can see where it'd be easy to be a st- pretty dirty if you're out here all the <laughs> yeah. time doing this kind of stuff. 
And I look at them and I'm like, oh, look at that. Your shoes are dirty yeah. now. <laughs> <clears throat> so... Yeah, that was just one of the things years ago, right off the bat, one of the things that I noticed that I was like, something that I would never would have clued into, you know, normally. And in, 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 in any other situation, it's something that you would, it's nothing, you yeah. know? And it's easy for us being more, you know, whether you see someone, you know, like a moose hunting client or sheep hunting client or deer brown bear hunting client, it's easy for us being experienced in it to be like, hey, yeah, like I didn't know what he's doing. But like they really don't a lot of, you know, it's like if I were to go I'll, whitetail I, hunting somewhere, I would I would just bring what I thought I needed, you know, so. Right, and it's going to be totally different than yeah. anything that you would yeah. normally need up here. Yeah. You know? um, I will say that I always loved it seeing. There's a couple of things that I really like to see coming off the plane is I like to see a guy wearing a, a pair of, pair of beat up Levi's. Yeah. <laughs> I like seeing guys wearing old school Cabela's, the old school Cabela's duck camo. Mm-hmm. That like splotchy green and brown. I'm like, jacket's all beat up. I'm like, this guy's been doing this <laughs> yeah. for a while. We're gonna we're gonna be right on the same level for sure. So on the other on the other end, what's your what are your bugaboo like the what were your tip offs that that I need to watch this guy? <laughs> a lot of guys that um, let's see, how do I put this? A lot of the guys that right away would tell you, break out their list and tell you exactly what they've killed, where they've been, what they've done. Basically the, like their hunting resume. Yeah. Especially if a guy wants to tell you about the 50 animals that he shot in Africa and it was like red flag immediately. Yeah, because <laughs> it seemed like just after time, you know, at first, sure, cool, wow, I, you know, I've yeah. never been to Africa, I don't know, that's yeah, cool. I'll, I love listening to the stories. Don't get me wrong, but it seemed like after I could had done it for a little while, the majority of the guys that wanted to, I'll say, brag about all the animals that they've killed, were they weren't very good in the woods. They weren't quiet. They weren't. Um, a lot of them weren't very good shots. Yeah. Um, regardless, it's, to, you know, you get everybody off the airplane, the first thing you do is make them shoot their gun. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's for a couple of reasons. that You always say it's because, oh, it could have gotten beat up at the airport, which I have seen guns that have been beat up, you know, being flown yeah. up to Alaska. They've been hammering. I've seen a gun case that had tire marks Jeez. from a truck <laughs> driven over the case. And needless to say, that gun didn't. It took some tuning to get it back back on. Um, but you know, not only typically an airline is not going to destroy your rifle and knock your scope out. Yeah. But it's more along the lines of see this guy with his gun, see how he handles it, see how he shoots before you're in a situation where you've got a bear that's forty yards away and you're sneaking over the top of a little hill to try and kill it. You know. Yeah. So. That was something you, you know, right away, try and get a feel on every single one of your hunters right off the bat. Yeah, totally. Because <clears throat> um, that's, you know, someone, especially, well, anytime you're going in the woods with someone with rifles, yeah, you, you need to get a, and, and it may come across as, I don't know what, how you would say, you know, as being a little bit snobby for a guy wanting to, because wanting to, 
know what you're about, you know, when, when you first meet up, but it's for every, everybody's safety and it's not, uh, it's definitely not intended to, cause you know, a guy, you never know, a guy could be like the safest, like most experienced person ever, or could be one of many that. Yes, no, we'll point no their, regard. Yeah, yeah you just point you point their gun at you without even thinking about it. Um, yeah, the whole bear hunting thing is really expensive, and I, you know, not all the guys, but obviously, but there's guys that are like, "Well, my neighbor came up here three years ago and got one, so I had to come up and get one." I'm like, "Do you hunt?" No, but he got one, and I want one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, straight up, no, no BS, like. I've heard that come out of people's mouths. He got one, so I want one. They're cool. And that's it. Yeah. You know? The first guy that I was ever involved with guiding was a bow hunter for brown bears. And I ran the camera. You know, we spotted the thing from the boat, brought the boat in, anchored it, took a skiff in, pulled it up on the beach, and then sneaked down the beach into the wind so you get to a point where the bear's digging and you can shoot it. And my first experience with any kind of brown bear hunting was a guy with a bow. And we get 25 yards away from the bear. And I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes, this is intense. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this guy's going to shoot that thing with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, which bow hunters, for the most part, almost all the time, they're in good shape. They're quiet. And a lot of times they're really good shots. They've been practicing a lot not all of them but the yeah. majority of them um he shot the bear ran off 20 yards and was dead just like that and i was like well, there's nothing to this bear hunt thing. Yeah. This, is, this is great i can get into this you yeah. know the next guy a couple of days later the next hunters come in we go out for a couple of days and there's a bunch of us we have got like, because he got his bear so soon, we can really group up and get a bunch of us on a boat and really do some glassing. Mm -hmm. And we found a bear. I think Josh found the bear and it was a perfect setup. It was this little tiny peninsula where there's beaches on both sides and we could all just like anchor the boat, super quiet. Everybody get off. So we have, we literally had two, maybe even three video cameras. So it was Josh, Luke, me. And the hunter and the hunter's brothers, five of us. So we had two of us filming, one other guy with a rifle, and then the hunter and his brother. And that bear was, we went up to shoot the bear that we had originally saw, which was, it was a nice bear. And we get off and there we go. There's the bear. We sneak over, get in a log pile on the beach and... Get the guy all lined up, dialed in to shoot the bear. And another bear is in the water, like actually in the ocean, cooling off is the boar. It's a boar yeah, and a sow yeah. in the spring. I've seen him do that. So bear stands up, and of course the guy's dialed in, looking through his scope, and I hear, I'm filming the bear that he's about to shoot, and I hear, of course when you're looking through the camera, you don't hardly see. Yeah. and You don't see anything except for you're like, don't miss the shot, don't miss the shot. Yeah. I hear Josh say, don't shoot that bear. And I'm like, oh, boy, what's going on? He's like, the bear you want to shoot's right there. It's coming right at us. And I'm like, what? So I zoom back out, and I drop the camera down for a second, and I look, and here comes this, which looks like it's a tank twice the size of the bear that we're about to shoot, you know? Yeah. 
I guess it was like eight and a half foot sow is what it ended up being. The one that came out of the water ended up squaring ten two, I think, Jeez. something like that. And that's a big bear, like great big bear, like yeah. a Volkswagen. It's definitely <laughs> large. So the bear starts walking up, and the wind is perfect; it's blowing from the bear right to us. So I, you know, reorient myself with a camera and zoom way in because the bear is so close at that point in time. Or back it out, you mean? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would get, yeah, just zoom out, zoom yeah. in, something. I get it because it's so close. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy, so I get on the bear and I'm thinking, this guy better shoot. I mean, this thing is coming right down on us. This is getting to be a situation where it's like the bear is about to be in the same pile of logs that we're all in, like yeah. hiding in. And it just keeps coming. The bear starts climbing onto the pile of logs that we're <laughs> in. And pow! Boom. Bear falls down. I went back the next day because we went back. The guy wanted rocks from that beach to put in the, the mount that yeah. he was getting done. So we went back and got rocks. I brought a tape measure. He shot that bear right between the eyes <laughs> at 18 feet. Jeez. He had his scope dialed up to nine. <laughs> Oh, and, and he said, all I saw was hair, eyes, hair, hair, eyes, hair. So they move, you know, when they're walking mm-hmm. and they got their head down, they're moving back and forth. And he said, I just kind of timed it and squeezed off the trigger and <laughs> we leveled that thing. But it was literally 18 feet away from where we were all sitting in that pile of logs. We walked down to the bear and he turns around and looks at us and he says, I got to level with you guys. I've never killed anything but a squirrel before in my life. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow. So that was like, so my second bear hunter that I was ever involved with helping out guiding taught me a lesson that if people don't say anything, you ask them. Give me some kind of a resume. Yeah. Because we're going to have to have a little sit down if squirrel's the only thing you've ever killed, and we'll talk about (laughs) things. Well, I mean, it sounds like he held his mud together pretty good, though, for the situation. Like, I mean, there's people that... Yeah, it would just come on. Like, you know, people I've seen videos of where a little black bear tries to climb up their tree, and they're... They freak out. I mean, just losing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... A ten a ten foot plus brown bear is a big freaking animal. It's impressive to walk up to them for sure. I mean, it's just impressive to see them while that you know when they're yeah. alive. I mean, they're big. It's one of those things where you you know you go down to Kodiak with your three seventy five and you think you got a pretty big gun <laughs> and you're doing a you're doing a drive or you know trying to drive a bear off peninsula and I think how like Garrett one time another guy who worked down there. <laughs> was doing one and and said he saw this bear and thought he was standing up and saw him man that's big and then he stood up and <laughs> yeah the thing was laying down <laughs> he said then you know where no matter how big a rifle you got the thing starts feeling pretty small yeah meanwhile those guys dad he guided bears for 40 years or with, 38 years or something with a 243 
It's yeah. all he ever used. Well, Josh killed his first brown. His first brown bear was a big bear with a two forty three. That bear was right around, like right just under ten foot or just over ten foot. I don't remember, but that bear ended up being in in getting full body mounted and being in one of the guest cabins that caught on fire. Yeah, and all the hair got scorched. So back to the guy that all I've ever killed before this is a squirrel. His brother. We were talking with his brother one night, and we were like, "Oh, we got this bear full body mount." We come up with this whole thing where they have to walk after they eat dinner at the lodge at night back to their cabin. And it's like maybe 100 yards or something like that, but kind of like down a path through the woods. We so it had been done there before, but for the first time that I got to actually see it go down, we took that bear out, put that bear in the bushes, and I think it was Luke that got behind it and made it rock kind of thing and waited for those guys. We got it all t- played out in time so that when they go walking down the trail, that bear was like right on the side of the trail, standing there, woofing at him. Luke had the thing, was rocking it back and forth. You want to see a grown man run screaming, that is a good way to do it when it's like kind of dusk out. You know, you can see that there's something there, but yeah, yeah, and they took off. <laughs> and of course, his brother knew what was going on but he just to like add fuel to the fire he took off screaming too just to like let's see what we can really make my brother do kind of thing you know he freaked out that guy did so the that was patrick the one that got the bear his brother's gary bruce was his brother's name and a few years later See, they put in for the party hunt, but only one of them drew, mm-hmm. so they came up anyhow. And his brother said, well, you keep putting in, and when you draw, we'll go up. And Well, it didn't work out. Bruce ended up coming back by himself because his brother couldn't get the time off or something like that. But So Patrick got that beautiful 10-footer, and then Nakia and I put Bruce on what at that time was the first bear that anybody had got at a Fognac Wilderness Lodge without one of the Randalls being involved. Oh. <laughs> Nikki and I put him on a bear, and, and he got it. So he got that bear. Everything was cool. Nice fall hunt. It was on a beach where there had been in the spring a dead whale, and it was actually chewing on bones from the same whale that was washed up on a beach. Yeah. We went in, boat, got the bear, done, skin it out, bring it back. He hangs out for a couple days. We shoot some ducks, leaves, takes his bear to the um, taxidermist. I think they were in some Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that. Takes his bear down there, takes the taxidermist. Bear gets stolen. Somebody broke into the taxidermist and stole all sort of skins, mounts, like looted the whole place over the course of an evening, took everything. He ended up, because I don't know whether it was him that had insurance or the actual taxidermy studio had yeah. insurance, but because it was an Alaska brown bear and you can't just go Buy one. many places to get them kind of thing, like you go white-tail deer hunting in yeah. almost any state, you can, you know? The insurance company ended up refunding him not just the cost of what they deemed the hide worth, but basically the entire hunt, the flights to and from, the hunt, everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Because it, I mean, for 
for a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that go through there where it they've scrapped and saved, and it's their like once in a lifetime brown bear hunt. You yep. know, no, you, exactly. you get you see a lot of people that that have the money to do it more than once or or whatever. But a lot of people, that's the case. Is it's their yeah, it's one and done deal. Yeah. No, for sure. So the, definitely the majority, I would say, of the hunters are not going to come back for. There's a the rare few people that you know have come back over and over and over again and gotten bears. It's just mind blowing yeah. to me. But um, so people really like to bear hunt. They're right into it. Um, Let's see. Before we before we get too far into it, I want to hear this. <laughs> Everybody, I'm sure even though they don't know it yet, wants to hear the the story of the the Japanese guy. Oh boy. <laughs> that guy, that's like going right to the right to the icing on the cake for our, for as far as crazy things that I've seen while I was had people out in the woods. <clears throat> um so he had come for 10 days from Japan. He was an older fellow like mid early 70s, I think. And he was in great shape, you know, could get out, could hike, steep stuff, mellow stuff, whatever, be out cruising all day long, not a problem. We just couldn't, we were having a hard time finding him a bear. It was late in the season, snow, all the way down to the beaches. Um, and it all started with deer, where I had to take his rifle away from him. Um, let me back up a little bit. He always had a backpack on always had this i don't know mid-sized backpack kind of day pack yeah a little bit a little bit bigger than a day pack but yeah but it never he always would have it on when we were off the boat hiking and he'd always have it right next to him in his seat when we were on the boat yet he never opened it never got into the backpack never never doing anything with it and you know, a couple of days of a guy carrying a backpack around, you're like, what in the heck has this guy got in his backpack? So we're looking for bears, looking for bears, not finding anything. Not It's not working out. So, you know, to take some of the take some of the uh, downtime out, we're like, well, how about, you know, let's get off the boat. There's some deer up here in the woods. We'll get on a deer. Well, I give him the rifle. And, you know, there's a few of us got off the boat. Give him the rifle. He immediately loads the rifle. Chambers around. Safety off. Like, nah. There's communication barrier. He had had an interpreter with him, but it wasn't... He didn't have a full-blown concept. It wasn't just like you and me. (laughs) No, it definitely wasn't like you and me. So... I, I told the interpreter, I was like, he can't, you, we can't have this. He can't have a gun that's loaded, for one. He can't have a gun that's loaded that's got the safety off, too. This is f- so dangerous. So I took his gun away, unloaded it. And I'm like, no, you can't. See, I'm like pointing. I'm like, you can't have a round in the chamber. I give his gun back to him. I turn around. I hear, tunk. another round in the chamber. <laughs> I back over, take his gun away again. You can't load your gun. Until I tell you to, until it's time to shoot the deer, I won't have anybody following me or my, you know, people that I'm working with around in the woods with a loaded gun. Doesn't work like that. So 
instead of giving the gun back to him, I just kept the gun. I was like, I know how to sell, settle this problem. Is yeah. I'll just carry the gun in my hand, and when I see the deer, I'll hand it to him, and I know he won't have any problem loading it because that seems to be what he's <laughs> be- best at. <laughs> so we get up, and there's these two deer. There's a buck. He's chasing the doe. And I give him the gun. I'm like, all right, shoot, you know, shoot the deer, shoot the buck. Pow! Shoots is directly in between the two deer as you can get. Yeah. The snow flies and the deer run off. So I'm like, eh, all right. That didn't work. So back to the boat, back on the boat, continue cruising. Um, Those guys, the side note, those guys got to see. Um, killer whales eating birds, baby cool. babies that were with their mom, and they were they were like batting them with their tail and breaking wings, and then like dragging them down. We got all sort of video footage and stuff. I think I've seen some really of that really cool spitting them situation. back up. Yeah, you know? exactly. They'd spit them around and throwing them through, you know, hitting them with their tail and throwing them around and stuff like that. Um, so, oh. Uh, I guess the next thing that happened was we I decided I'd I'd rattle. We'd take these guys and do some rattling. So I take them out and we go out on out on the cape and it's big wide open area, there's no trees or anything like that and it's like perfect perfect wind to get the rattle into the woods where you can just like draw them right out and then mm-hmm. try and shoot the deer. I start rattling, start doing a little rattling sequence stop wait for a little while and i got the guy that i want to shoot sitting like squatted right down next to me so it's me the the hunter and his interpreter mm-hmm. i go back into rattling again rattle for a little while stop i see something out of the corner of my eye and i turn around and the interpreter is going through some kind of a re- exercise regimen and at the point in time that i see something out of the corner of my eye i turn around <laughs> He's doing jumping jacks out in the middle, basically like in the middle of a field where we're like squatted down behind this little knob. And I'm trying to like keep everybody quiet, keep everything everybody holding still, hold you know? still. Well, now's just as good time as any to do some push ups and do some jumping jacks and loosen myself up. So, you know, pull out of this. We're done here. Over yeah. with. Nothing's coming. Try to explain to him that we got, you know, again, that we need to be quiet. We can't be moving. And it was difficult. Very trying situation. Yeah. Back to the boat. So we ended up hunting for his 10-day hunt. And he w- because he was the last hunter, we convinced him to stay longer. Because you don't want to see people leave. With, you know, yeah. they come for a bear. They That's what they want. You know, yeah. that's what they expect you get. If you can, stay for a couple of days. So he's changed his flights and could stay. So we go out and finally find a bear. Now, granted, it's not the biggest bear in the world, but we find him a bear. Off the boat we go. Backpack goes on. (laughs) Head up the hill. Perfect. It was like you couldn't have played it out any more perfect. The bear was way, way up off the beach on the side of this hill. And I posted and we got him way up as far as we could until it was like too steep, too crappy to keep going. Shoots. Bear starts to fall. Shoots again. Hits the bear both times. 
the bear falls all the way down the side of this hill. I guess I say hill. It's more like the side yeah, of the Yeah, some of that stuff's steep. steep. Yeah. The bear falls, I don't know, five, six hundred yards, tumbling through trees and down over the edge. And the last part of the deal was a basically an 80-foot, 90-foot free fall yeah. onto the beach. Gets up, headed, shoots it again. Bear's dead. So we get down there. Everybody, we that boat gets anchored up. And we're all so happy because it's all you know. Eleven days in, you know, we finally, finally got get this, this guy on bear. a bear. He's finally got a bear. He's happy. So we're kind of moving the bear around a little bit to get it set up in a place where we can take pictures. And off comes the backpack. And of course, the three <laughs> of us guys are all like. Oh my God. Cause we've been talking about it for days. Yeah. Like what's in the backpack? What's going <laughs> to, you know, are we ever going to know what's in the backpack out of the backpack comes a pair of Levi's, a plaid shirt, cowboy hat, mirror cop shades, <laughs> 357, a belt buckle. That's like as big as not bigger than a softball. <laughs> and he dresses up like a cowboy for every single picture that he wanted taken of him with his bear. Oh, man. I couldn't, I had to sit down. I was laughing so hard. I was crying for one, and I couldn't even stand up. Like the kind of laughter, you like in pain, it hurts your stomach after a little while, but you can't yeah. stop. He dressed up somewhere. I'll have to dig the pictures up. I, I looked a couple of weeks ago. For a little bit, and yeah. it's like my stuff from back then is so disorganized, but it's somewhere on a hard drive. I have pictures of him dressed up like a cowboy holding a three fifty seven posing with his bear. Well, if you can find that, maybe we'll like blur out the face or whatever we got to do to and use that for the podcast put it photo. On, put it for on this there. episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't make the stuff up. That's, oh God, I was happy to know it was in the backpack, but just one of those things. It's like I'll never see something like that ever again as long as I live. You know, and nope. it's like, and I'll never forget it either. You know, it's just it was incredible, and it's funny, like kind of. I don't know, going back to the angle of just being somewhere different, you know. I don't know if you guys had, like, deer camp growing up. Because you guys kind of hunted around, you know. Oh, we did. We had a camp. You yeah. know, had deer camp where everyone comes back and it's a good time. Yeah. And I was uh, helping guide guide moose hunters a few years ago, um, bow hunts, and uh, and flew in there and I kind of flew in halfway through these guys hunts. I was helping with another hunter in a different spot, but, uh, get in there. And one guy had already killed a nice bull and, and the other guy were still hunting for him, but there was three guys kind of in there. One guy was kind of running the camera for him and, and three guys in their group. And, you know, we go out kind of in where we were at there, we're running river boats, from camp down to different glassing spots and just basically glassing for moose and doing some calling. And yeah. we had, uh, but we get back to camp at the end of the day and these guys are just, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, loud. And I, I, and I was kind of low guy on the totem pole at the time. So it wasn't really my place to say much, but I'm thinking to myself and kind of tell them like, you know, guys, if like you be quiet and like act like we're hunting 
even though, you know, and it must just be that get back to hunting camp mentality. Yeah. I'm like, if, if we're just, you know, acting like we're hunting all the time, like we won't have to go anywhere. Yeah. You call them right into, you shoot and, right from the fire. And <laughs> so, you know, long story short, the, the other guy that was hunting ended up hitting a bull on the last day down where we were hunting and, uh, hit him in the shoulder with his bow and we went back the next, it was on the last day of the season, went back the next day to look for him even more. And, uh, and the guy, the, the guy I was working for got up in his airplane cause you could do that to just kind of see if we can locate him and see if he's dead or not. And the, the, he was, it, it wasn't a lethal hit, mm-hmm. but, uh, so unfortunately the guy had to go home without a moose, but, uh, after thinking all this stuff, like, let's be quiet. You know, I was, I got left in camp by myself that evening to clean everything up and get everything packed up and ready to go out the next day. And I had got done cleaning some stuff up and it was, it was starting to get dark and heard a bull raking down the river. And so I start raking and calling before I knew it had four different bulls responding. (laughs) Had that one had (laughs) called him up. I never saw him, but it was right across the river back in the timber. You know, I could hear him banging around back there. Had one back, you know, if I'm facing the river, back to the left of me, one way back to the right of me, and one down, you know, I figured on my side of the river upstream. And the one upstream kept getting closer and closer, and finally, like, it was getting pretty dark. So I'm like, ah, I'll just just uh, quit messing with him and finished packing stuff up and it left the one main tent up and i you know got in there got took care of a few things stoked the fire that just crawled in my sleeping bag and zipped it up and laid down and i hear and i hear him walking through the grass in this little clearing behind camp and i'm like geez that thing's close he's like 30 (laughs) yards from the tent And he starts raking on a tree like 15 feet behind the tent. And I'm like, that thing's, he's going to tear the tent up. Like, I'm going to, like, this lovesick bull, like, I got to pucker up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's coming to fight or, or do whatever else they do during the rut. Yeah, you hope fight. So I <laughs> but jumped out of the tent with my flashlight and, I mean, and being bow hunt, you know, the that guy's policy is we don't. You know, we'd carry a, a handgun, you know, or whatever. Like, we're not, you don't finish off clients' animals there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and it's not, we're not talking grizzly bears or brown bears. So, anyway, so I get out with my 357, my flashlight, and I, I he was a big bull. I didn't get a real good look at him, but kind of tried to run him off and get back. And he must have woke me up four or five times that night just raking right behind the tent and grunting and then i woke up i don't know like four o'clock in the morning and there was two of them fighting back like same 50 same feet spot. behind the tent <clears throat> like i'm like geez you know i mean it just like that one was like i told you like let's yeah for quiet just keep quiet and and call from call from camp and they'll come right in but yeah called had two bulls right in camp yeah that night for the first night it was quiet you hear that a lot up here that people are you know at their where they're camping and they're like oh no i got up and put the coffee on in the morning and there he was because inevitably you're going to be sitting there at night in the dark 
you know, like, oh, we can't hunt. Somebody's calling. Yeah. Seems like somebody's always practicing their, their call, their cow call or their bull grunt, you know, and yeah, it ends up that you hear it a lot that, oh, yeah, I just got up to put coffee on. There's a 60-inch bull standing right there. Well, shot the, it. And the time, you know, and the... The the hunt before that, we were on a lake. I mean, it was probably fifteen or twenty miles as the crow flies from there. And this a late, you know, with a lady and and trying to get her a moose. And we'd call every morning and evening. And and there was two guy, you know, two of us guides in camp, and we'd kind of trade off mornings and evenings. And you know, one evening they were down at the other end of the lake calling, almost a mile away. It was dead calm. I could hear them calling, and. uh just all of a sudden here, I'm like, that don't sound like Jeff. Look up and through this one clear patch, the biggest bull moose I've ever seen in my life. No Came doubt. walking down through there, threw them right to, I was like, oh man, that thing's big. Then he went in the timber and they got back, you know, after dark. And I'm like, how big is he? Like, oh, we never saw him. Like they heard him grunting, but oh, he shut up. Couldn't and couldn't see him, huh? But, uh. Yeah, it's funny, you know, the, like, not really guiding, not guiding at all, but the most impressive bow shot I've ever seen in my life was my dad. We were hunting up, hunting the, this late archery season and uh, had taken the boat out and had been calling and calling and nothing. And finally, the last morning we were there, he, uh, it was super cold morning, which gets moose moving, but I got up, uh, we were kind of lazy, got up a little late and I spent about 20 minutes chopping up firewood and got the fire going and the coffee on. And we were just war- kind of warming up, taking a few shots with our bows and, I, and he, you know, don't move, don't move. And here comes this little bull walking along the opposite cut bank on the river. And when he went by in September, we ran up to where our target was and he came out and walked down into the river was 30 yards but kind of looking and he saw our camp and yeah. turned around and left and he popped out again and my dad said how far is he and i ranged him 63 and he had been practicing out to six ironically 63 yards all summer because that's as far as he could get in his yard really and he let let her rip meant to be <laughs> and, and as soon as I go you know, 63, he's drawn and that arrow's gone. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. And that arrow's like, you know, like satellite trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> Drops in there and hits Lofting him. Lofting him in there. Hits him right behind the shoulder and he start, you know, takes off running. The arrow's flopping. I'm like, I don't think you got any penetration, Dad. He's like, I think I got him in the heart. Sure enough, about 30 yards, the thing starts and gets stops and gets all wobbly legged and oh, falls man. over. It's Hit impressive. him right in the heart. It's impressive with that heart, you know, when you get an arrow stuffed through the heart of an animal. Yeah. That whole, I mean, if you shoot them through the heart with a rifle too, sometimes not as often as it seems like with a bow, but that whole, they stop and they start wobbling. And you're just well, like, yeah. oh, it is over. <laughs> well, and it's funny. I mean, I, I bow on a fair bit and like to shoot a traditional bow. And I mean, this was with my dad's recurve. Yeah. You know, not a compound. So it was an impressive shot, but, uh, you know, stuff like all the grizzly bears I've killed with my bow. If something doesn't know you're there and you put one through the boiler room, it kills them so fast. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, back to guidance stories. I want to hear about the, the back pack, 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 pack guy. I think his, (laughs) He got, ended up getting named Puddin. 
puddings or something. <laughs> something like that. Um Oh, poor guy. I don't you know. It's it's rough. It's a rough world out there. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> is. Um He came up and got stuck in Kodiak for his entire hunt. Never could even make it to a Fognac to deer hunt. Ended up going back to wherever he's from. Just immediately you're like, oh, this guy's got bad luck. So the next year he booked again, came back, made it out, and he was self-guided. Was the whole deal he wanted because you can, as a non-resident, you can come up and hunt yeah. black, black-tailed deer. And, and self-guided at the lodge, um, just to explain, it's, it's where different. Yeah. you stay at the lodge and then every morning... You know, take you out on the boat and drop you in, in a good spot. Areas that we think, you know, that we've been either seeing deer or n- known to have, you know, good amount yeah. of deer in them. And on a typical year, you know, there's deer all over the place. So you yeah. get dropped off to hunt for the day bite on your own and then pick you up. Got a radio and a GPS, basically. Yeah. And we, you sent, you're sent with lunch. You have breakfast and we take you with your lunch and your radio and your GPS and drop you off and you hunt for the day and... When you're done, you get back down to the water. You call on the radio and say, "Come pick me up. I'm right where you dropped me off." You know, with a with a boat. And well, this guy got dropped off a couple of times, and I th- I don't know what the situation was. I don't remember whether it was we didn't send him get his own GPS, maybe, or we didn't send him with a GPS. It was a sm- area that he basically couldn't. You'd make it back. Yeah. But he hunted by himself for a couple of days, and he didn't, you know, there was nothing. So we were like, I had been on this real small island. We were kind of nervous about him walking off too far, and I had been on this island, really small island, a couple of days before. And, you know, he keeps coming back, and it's no deer. Didn't see any deer. Didn't see any deer. And I'm like, man, I can walk out in the woods 200 yards and be like, there's a deer, there's a deer, there's a deer, you know, pick one, shoot it. (laughs) So I was like, I just did this whole island a couple of days ago, and I know there's one really nice buck, and there's at least three bucks on the island. Put them on the island, we're not going to worry about anything. And this is an island you can still hunt through and cover the entire thing in like half a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You could go, you know, crazy and do like a double hunt where you like come to play the wind and do one side, then the other side, you know, kind of thing and spend the whole day there. And it's a good good spot. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, there's always deer out there and there's always a nice buck or two out there. So give the guy a GPS, stick him on the island and, you know, here you go. Good luck. Give us a call when you get back. So, you know. In the fall time, it's it's early that it gets dark. It starts to get dark, so I don't know what time it was, three thirty or something. I could call on the radio. Yeah, come get me. So we pull up, and this is before there was landing crafts, easy boats to climb onto. Yeah, and he, it, when we pull, get over there to the island, he's sitting on a rock on the beach, and. He comes walking down. I'm like, hand me your backpack. Come up to the front of the boat. And the front of the boat, the bow has got, the anchor hangs. And it's like curves down over the bow of the front of the boat. Yeah. But it's got these hooks on it. The anchor does. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you kind of, it's not a Danforth. It's different. I don't know what they're called though. Um, 
they work. They're really good anchors for up there. You get yourself on the other side of a rock pile, and yeah, they fetch up really nice, and they hold the boat, but they don't. They're and they're easy to get out again, mm-hmm. and get recover. So I'm like, it's a, it's going to be a pain to jump up here. Give me your hand. No, I can get up there, no problem. I was like, all right, you know, I could I'm right here. Just give me your hand. I'll pull you right up here. No, I got it. He lunges to get onto the boat and f- slips and falls, and that anchor hooked him on his rib cage, and he was just hanging oh. by his ribs on an anchor off the front of the boat, dangling until I could get a hold of him and like jerked him off the anchor, like pulled yeah. him up into the boat off the front of it. I couldn't. You just like grab your ribs and stick your fingers under there, and it's almost immediately painful. Yeah, I couldn't imagine hanging my whole body weight dangling off of my rib cage. So he's beat up. Obviously, we go back, have dinner. He's complaining about, oh, there's no deer. Why did you put me over there? Blah blah blah. So we get done eating dinner and go in and say, could we have? We need your GPS back. We got to charge it tonight so that when you use it tomorrow, it's fully charged, which is our, it's how we <laughs> figure out what people have been up to for the yeah. day is our excuses. We need to recharge. So he never left the beach. He was on that little tiny island all day. And I don't know whether he was afraid that the island was too big. He would get lost on it or he was going to get eaten by a bear, which a lot of people are petrified of bears. Yeah. Very, very scared, especially down there. Yeah, which, you know, considering, like, all the poking around deer hunting I've done, I've never, never run into Never seen a bear one. when you're deer hunting, exactly. Yeah. And you say that to people, but they're not, you know, yeah. they are not. They don't believe what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we look at his GPS, and he was literally went, so the beach is 150 yards long. He went to one end of the beach. When we dropped him off, he went maybe 60 yards into the woods, walked this whole length of the beach, maybe 60 yards back in the woods and then came back to the beach. And then like, there's all these zigzag tracks between his furthest out 60 yard mark and the back side of the beach. And he spent the entire day, no more, I'd say than maximum 200 yards away from where we dropped him off the entire day. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, this guy's, he's self-guided I'll do this guy a solid tomorrow. I'll take him out, my time, and I'll get him a deer. You know, he got stuck in Kodiak. He, you know, he's flailing. Yeah. <laughs> he's having problems. Yeah. So I take him out back. We just leave right from the lodge, and I take him out into the back 40. And I'm like, I know where there's deer back here, you know. Which easily. is where, where we went the day yeah, I went exactly. home with you. Like, there's crawling you, with deer. If you want to shoot a deer and you don't want to take a boat anywhere or do anything, weather sucks, you can go out there and pretty much... Anytime you want to get a deer, you got to walk a little ways to get to where the deer, where you're actually going to be like, okay, here's some deer. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I say a little ways, half a mile, yeah, before not you're very into far. Deer where there's actually deer, and then if you want to continue on like another half a mile or a mile or something like that, you're in, it's like it's prime time. So we start walking, and almost within like 500 yards. I'm tired. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come on, man. I was like, I just took the day off to bring you up here on my time. You're getting a deer. So we get to right 
about that point, the half mile mark where it's like, okay, we're going to be in deer. And I stop and I'm like, I'm going to start using the call and doing a little bit of calling and we'll cruise along. No, I want, I can't believe you took me this far, <laughs> he says. And I turn around and I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, I want to go home right now. I want to go back. And I was like, no, great. this is a grown man. This isn't <laughs> yeah. like I got a 12-year-old or an 8-year-old or whatever with me and where you can expect like, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm yeah. whatever, you know. This is a grown man. No, I want to go back. And I was like, well, I told you we had to come up here like a half a mile and I told you that this is where the deer were going to be. Like, we've we've done we've done it. All I got to do is call for a little bit. Maybe we'll go another few hundred yards. But I was like, you can get a deer. I don't care. I want to go back. <laughs> oh, man. So we start, we turn around, we start cruising back. I'm like, I'm fine. Whatever. I can burn back there. I can get something done this afternoon. Not a problem. You yeah. want to go back? So we get... Gosh, we get to almost where I can start to hear the generator, and he literally throws himself down on the ground. I can't believe you. He's so worked up. He's he, like, he's so agitated, like worked up that he throws himself down on the, his back in the trail on the ground, and he's like, I can't believe you brought me all the way out here and now you don't know where we are and we i have to get back and he gets himself so worked up he starts crying oh so i've got a grown man i can just hear the generator from the lodge i got a grown man laying on his back on the ground crying yelling at me and i'm like what do you do what's a guy to do in a situation like that like I wanted to knock him. I wanted to just be like, I need to knock you one in the side of your head, man. You need to toughen up. But you can't, obviously you can't do that, you know? So I'm like, look, man, I get down, I squat down, I like put one of my knees on the ground. I'm like, look, be quiet. Stop sniffling for a second. Can you hear that? And he's quiets down a little bit and he's like, what is that? And I'm like, that's the generator at the lodge. Now get up. We're going back. <laughs> I was like, we're within, like you know, like a couple hundred yards of the place. Yeah. And he's, so that was a doozy. That was one for the books right there. I mean, the cowboy, that was pretty good. But but the finale, have, when I say the bat pep pep pack. Oh gosh, we're gonna get into all that. I think I think we have to. Now this is, and, and, I don't know, and this is nothing like like. I joke about me having speech impediments and Frank, like one of the guys you work with stutters. Like we're not making fun of people that stutter, but like. And he this, ne- I never heard him stutter at all the whole time and that we, he was there. But this, once. this is all like in the context of, of this story. He started, he got himself worked up so bad at dinner talking about his pack, 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 pack that he, he started the stuttering thing that he couldn't even like talk. He couldn't say anything. He was so wound up at dinner about how brutal it was out there and how he couldn't believe that he didn't get a deer. He starts this like freak out mode at dinner. And of course it's Josh and Luke and I, he's the only, I think he's the, was the only person that was there at the time. We, I lost it. I think Luke started, he started laughing he spit food out of his mouth onto the table. And, of course, 
it's well, like that three of it it's just chain it's out of control. <laughs> like the three of us, I was laughing so hard that I couldn't. I started spitting food out up on the table, and the three of us had to get up and go into the pantry. I couldn't even. I was like, it's not only and you I feel like, bad, and you got, feel I, bad, I feel but, horrible, yeah. you know. But it's like I've gone out of my way on multiple occasions to try and help you. You've acted like nothing but a child the entire time you've been here, and then you freak out at dinner, like starting to throw blame around on a self-guided hunt that I went and tried to guide you, and you refused, straight up refused my help. Yeah. Tried to help, and then starts freaking out at the dinner table about how horrible his, how horrible it's been and all this stuff, and... He literally got himself so worked up that he couldn't hardly talk. He started stuttering and was like talking about his pack pack. And it was when he started said something about his pack pack that chain reaction and downfall yeah. situation. He he he, he ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh, it's just one of the things like you feel bad, but man, just some of the situations people put get themselves, themselves into. In. Yeah, well, like another and. I can't remember if you were there at the time. I want to say not. Maybe it was right before you got there that season a few falls ago where because I had I had got in. People and, getting lost. Yeah, well, and I think these guys had already been there. There was one guy that was a re, uh, an Alaska resident that was just doing self-guided drop-off Um and man, he had been he'd been killing it. He got three nice bucks in three days, and uh, and then there was another group of guys. I can't remember where they were from, but a couple of them, you know, older guy. One of them, one in particular, who was talking about this was I think he was some kind of doctor or surgeon or something. I remember it was one night at dinner or something. They were talking about you know getting lost because the fog knack like it's super easy to get disoriented. I mean, I've caught oh. myself on the Jeep with a GPS, like walk, walk, still hunting up there and there's a little bit of snow. And then I cut these fresh boot tracks. I'm like, who the hell else is up here? Who's this guy <laughs> following <laughs> me around? <laughs> Look at the GPS. Yep. We just walked in a circle. But these guys were talking, talking about getting lost and, uh, oh, the worst thing, you, you know, this guy just going off on a, on a on a soapbox about how the worst thing you can do is panic and all this stuff, which is true. Oh, it is true. My dad always said, you're never lost. You're temporarily disoriented. <laughs> and I like that. I have, have stolen that and yeah. used it quite a bit, but, uh, cause it happens to the best of us. But just ironically, I think it was the day after this whole thing, you know, put them off self-guided, drop them off in the morning. Um, there's four guys, and two of them, you know, they split up into pairs to hunt. Yeah. And we maybe been, I think it was before we picked them up, the guy that had already, and it was a weather day, the plane couldn't come in. So the guy that had gotten his three bucks just was stuck in camp and decided just to go for a hike back behind the lodge. Yeah. And, uh, oh, we get a radio call. Oh, I need you guys to come pick me up. I don't really know where I'm at, but I see a, you know, a rock arch. So we're thinking, all right, not Bay. Yeah. So we go over there, and it's pretty nasty weather, like blowing snow and and pretty good swell going. And but in the you know thirty minutes it took us to get up and over there, 
he had to have walked like r- run like frantically like all the way around that bay because he was by that whale. You know, yeah, he radios, yeah. oh, I'm by this dead this whale that this whale had washed in a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. And so we go over there and we're pulling up, you know, taking it nice and easy with the landing craft, you know, the bat- gate down on the boat mm-hmm. to pick him up. And we're off there and he does this like just bay watch, just sprinting <laughs> into the water up to his chest and climbs on the bow of the boat. And Josh and I are just like, we were going to pull right up to the beach. Right. <laughs> dry, you know, dry step right onto the front of the boat. Totally soaking wet and kind of frantic, you know, just kind of panicked. Knew that he was freaking and, out. Yeah. And it was funny because afterwards Josh is like, man, I thought he was like, man, this guy's a badass. You know, go out three big bucks in three days and I'm like, yeah. Anyway, so we get him back to camp and then go to pick up these other guys and we pull into where we dropped them off and two of them, they weren't very far away, you know, and, and keep in mind, they've got those, the Garmin rhinos where we can see exactly where they're at the whole time. Yeah. I mean, you're more familiar with them than I am. Oh, it's amazing. For the listeners. Yeah. So, you know, we pull up, pick them up, the two guys up and the other two guys aren't quite out of the woods yet. So we go pulling around in that back lagoon back in Rocky Bay and just sitting there waiting. And we can see, you know, get them on the VHF. No, you know, they were kind of struggling. and But we can see on the GPS that they're only 200 yards from the water. Yeah. So we waited for like 45 minutes. And in that 45 minutes, they moved like 15, like minuscule. Yeah. So finally, like, all right, let's get these guys back to camp, get jo- or get Jordan and Luke and... The he- round up the headlamps and yeah. go back out there to go in there and get them. And, you know, this is after waiting for like 45 minutes. So then we, yeah, it took us another 45 minutes to get back to the lodge and then back out there. And they were just getting down to the beach when we pulled up. And just, I mean, and the one poor guy just stumbling onto the the gate. just Fully exhausted. Just hurting. Yeah. And, uh, so we get them back and, uh, and everyone kind of goes to their cabins and, you know, an hour later, whatever, we all go to dinner. And the one guy who had been, you know, the worst thing you can do is panic guys, not a dinner. So we're asking his buddies, you know, how, you know, is he all right? You know, oh, he, you know, he's says he's pre-diabetic and needs this. I'm like, well, I'll, you know, we'll, I'll bring him a plate of food right now. I'll just bring it right to the cabin. No big deal. Heck yeah. And they're, oh no, he can, he can wait. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, With kind of your like guys, <laughs> your guys' call, you know, but then the next day had to go to an emergency. They were there for a couple more days, had to go to, you know, emergency surgery somewhere. He, he just left. Yeah. You know, so. And you feel bad for him, but it's, I don't know, just being out in the field, it's a little different sometimes than everyone, everyone, it's easy to talk a big game and keep your composure, you know. Oh, yeah. Keep your sure. composure when you're back at camp, but. uh Yeah. So, uh do you have any, any other. Well, there's. <clears throat> well, I know. You know, you were just talking about, we were talking a little bit about GPSs and. GPS is not foolproof. <laughs> it's what it comes down to. You'd think that it is, and you'd, you know, 
sometimes for people, it's you know, I guess it's easy to get confused. And I, we sent a guy out one time. This isn't so much, you know, like comedy hour kind of thing, but, you know, I set him down with a map and I'm like, I'm going to drop you off right here and I want you to go up and I want you to work this ridge line down and then I want you to drop back down. There's kind of like this isthmus, a real narrow area with a long beach that runs along the side. And I'm like, you can get up on this ridge and then hunt down this ridge and come back down it's like the perfect amount of time for the afternoon for you to hunt and i you could get a deer you know there's deer in there you'll yeah. get one take this gps no i don't need a gps i'm like well you know you, i i need you to take the gps yeah because <laughs> i can it's one of those rhinos where i can pull him yeah you know sometimes that's where it's kind of hit or miss down there you get into the forest where it's like super thick sometimes and you can't pull up people's locations you actually lose satellites sometimes yeah. depending on where you're at and you kind of got to move around a little bit and you know recalibrate um so i made him take gps well it happened to be that it was thick in there and we couldn't pull his location when it came down time we go to pick him up, nothing, nothing, nothing. I call on the radio, because we always send people with a radio, too. Nothing. Yeah. I don't get nothing on the radio. Can't pull his location, and he's not where he's supposed to be. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? You know, it's like, so you start just driving the boat, cruising along the coastline in this bay, and keep looking, trying to get, pull his location on the GPS. Keep trying. Finally, on the radio, I hear this, like... Yeah, oh, I'm at the beach. I don't know where you guys are. You're supposed to be here a long time ago. And then lose me. I can't get in touch with them. So I'm like, man, there's a big bridge line here. There's water on both sides. I was like, guys, he's got to be on the other, like, so far off mark. Like, he's gone totally the opposite direction of what I, you know, what we went over on the map. Sure enough, we cruised back around and went back along he was like over by Knob Bay that you were just talking yeah. about, but he had come, went up, and instead of going up and getting on the ridge and cruising down the ridge, he went right over the ridge and right down the other side, right yeah. back out. It's a good towards, thing he didn't end up water. in Good thing he didn't end up in Phoenix, right? Because you can get, you know, that it's narrow. That isthmus is yeah. not. You can cruise right through there in like yeah. two two and a half minutes, maybe at a you know walking. Um. The cool thing about all that, though, is, is it's like all water everywhere. It's all these fingers of land. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, you can get yourself disoriented really quickly without a GPS or without anything if you've never been in there before. But sure enough, we cruised around, and I pulled him up on the GPS where he was, and he was oh, miles off mark. You know, he had gone yeah. right up and over and right down the other side, and it's a pain. I didn't want him over there because there was a lot of water. Seas were, you know, it's crappy. It was like six foot or something like that, and it's pounding yeah, into the just rocks. Just nasty. It's hard to pick people up on that side, and it's like, why you want him to stay over here on this side? Because the boat can easily pick him up, and then you got a guy that's, you know, not in his 40s. You yeah. Know, he's an older dude, and trying to get somebody on slippery rocks with surge in and out and in and out. Yeah, I mean, Those you guys gotta, are incredible at running boats, you know. Yeah. It's like dialed right in. They've been in them since they can walk. So, um, But it's like you don't want a guy to slip and fall and get hurt. You know, everything about it is dangerous, and that's why you try and get these situations where it's a little easier of a situation. Yeah. And 
give a guy a GPS and show him exactly where to go. And I've seen a lot of people with GPSs where instead of like zoom way out and watch yourself, everybody wants to like zoom them way in. To see like, like the track no, by feet. <laughs> exactly. And it's like that's an easy way to get yourself where – you know, if you know don't know enough to like zoom way in and then zoom back out again and use the thing where you can like actually see progression and see what you're doing and see what's going on, a lot of people zoom them way in and it's like you end up doing all this like left and right. Whereas if you just zoom the thing back yeah. out a little bit, you can cruise these straight lines and like like when we were sheep hunting and we got up that morning, it was so fogged in you couldn't see ten feet in front of you. I literally held that GPS in my hand and stared at it that almost that whole what was yeah. that? it was like nine miles or eight miles or something we walked yeah it was a long and ways honestly almost blowing the whole snow, time blowing had to snow look at the gps to yeah. figure out like because the last thing you want to do with a heavy pack is walk off the side of a ridge and have to walk back up again yeah so that's the first time honestly for me that i've ever been in a situation where I had to look at the GPS to walk, like looking at the screen every couple of minutes, like look at it again and make sure that we're like, yeah, because it was just back a, on a mark. Critical, again. you know. Mm-hmm. It's like I like to carry a GPS on a lot of the stuff I'm doing, but uh, <clears throat> and most of the time it's unnecessary. You don't even use it, but those times when uh, you know it's those few times like getting socked in and you're you're walking a ridge out sheep hunting with a 90 100 pound pack yeah and it's like you can't afford to go down the wrong finger and every you know you can't see anything it's super easy to get totally turned around yeah which you know all the poking around for deer i've done on a fire like i always carried a gps you know i'm not as familiar with that but a lot like the best days for hunting up in the timber or them nasty stormy days, yeah. And you can't windy, see that you can't right up on deer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've almost stepped on them. You, you can't, yeah. you can't see the sun. You know, everything looks the same. Yeah. So just like something to have a reference, or all right, no, I'm getting a little off here. I need to, right. you know, you try to cut around a, a patch of devil's club or something like that. Yeah, next get, thing you know, you're going west instead of east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, I I got fully well fully i was about to say fully lost but i was temporarily disoriented (laughs) (laughs) um i got fully temporarily disoriented one i guess i'd lived up here for a year maybe two years something like that went out in the spring went grayling fishing and we went out and it was going to be one of those we're going to go out friday night camp fish fish all day saturday camp out saturday night and then sunday we get up cruise back we were not very far from the car or the highway. Yeah. Got up in the morning, started walking, and I followed Rob for a while until he got flustered and was just, I was like, man, I swear we were just right here. Kind of thing. He's like, well, if you think you're so freaking great, <laughs> why don't you take over? And I was like, well, all right. <laughs> you know, at least I can walk a straight line kind of thing. Yeah. I think it was, I think we ended up. Nine o'clock in the morning or something like that. We got done breakfast, packed our backpacks, and left. And I don't think we got to the truck that was probably in a straight line, no more than a quarter of a mile. I think it was like four thirty or five o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> when we finally got to the truck. And it was, I didn't have no GPS, no nothing. It was just like I was between a highway and a river. 
like Chin Springs Road and the river doesn't yeah, the river no. doesn't wander too far off the road when you're no. out there. Almost all day walking around in circles in a swamp, basically. You know, just like it's so easy to just be like instantly oh, yeah. not well, in the right direction. Well, behind that one bear bait year a few years ago, my wife shot this black bear and went back there and you know, found him, went back to the made it back to the boat, grabbed the sled, you know, I like to drag him out to to skin him back at home, but uh get back there and I drug that thing in circles through the alders for like two, two hours. Like yeah. it was like and it was like three o'clock in the morning where the sun had gone down. It's in June, you know, so oh, yeah. the sun was below the horizon, so I couldn't like it's just that glow where you can't tell because even that time of year, you know, you can tell the direction by the sun's at. And right. This bear had run through this big, I don't know what you would call it, patch of spruce trees and then cut off into this, you know, big alder flat. And luckily I had cell service. And of course, you know, being there, I'm like, I know my way around here. I don't need, yeah. didn't bring a GPS <laughs> or nothing. Just had my phone. and been in here a thousand times. I'm like, so if I'm like getting the compass on my phone. So all I need to do is get towards the river and I'll figure out where I'm at. Yeah. And uh, far enough away, you couldn't hear the river. And I, my phone was dying, and I had enough service where I'm like, you know, I'm dragging this bear, and then all of a sudden I see, man, this grass is like padded down. Oh, it's because I drug this bear right through here. Oh yeah, ten minutes ago. Yeah. But uh, I finally got a hold of my dad. He was hunting one of his baits and was on his way back. And I'm like, yeah, can you run? Is it's like ten miles away? I'm like, can you run up here and just run your boat up to where I'm parked? so I can hear you and get a bearing. Yeah. And anyway, before he got there, like, we're just pulling. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, I know exactly where I'm at. I'm where my buddy Neil kid killed his bear, where his bear died. Yeah. And it was like 30 yards from the bait. It's amazing. You can be. It's a jungle. So close. You can be so close to something that you're so used to and so disoriented yet all of a sudden pick out like a tree limb or something like in areas that you're yeah. used to, you can be like, I know that tree. Yeah. I know. And you're just on the opposite side of it or you're on the, you know, just in the wrong direction kind of thing. You used to looking at it from the south side and now you're looking at it from the north side or something like that. And yeah, it's super easy to be fully disoriented in the woods. Oh yeah. Especially in the thick, thick stuff. Yeah. And, uh, while we're you know, talking guidance stories, what was the one I was wanting you to tell? I'll probably there's just so many. Like I had I had one a minute ago, but just a brain fart of mine. There is, yeah, there's a lot. There's uh I don't know, we were going for a bear one day, we saw the bear on the beach and it went up in the woods and laid down and three of us, Luke and myself and the hunter Went in and couldn't find the bear, couldn't find the bear, and it's like super thick on the top of this knoll, and Luke's like, well, you guys swing around the other side, and I'll go in there and start making a ruckus, and we'll see you can drive him out the other side, and sure enough, he goes in there, and you just start hearing branches breaking and brush moving, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, are you ready? The guy's like, yeah, what's going on? And I was like, that is not Luke that you hear. 
there's about to be a bear. It's going to come barreling out of the woods yeah. right there, and he's going to be running right at us, you know, because we're, you know, set up in the trees, but, you know, the bear hears him, smells yeah. him. It's got no idea we're there. I was like, this bear's not going to have a clue that we're here, but it is going to be running, and it's going to be running right straight at us. Um, That bear came out of the woods. It was plowing over trees that were like, Two and a half, three inches in diameter, just, just like wrecking stuff. wrecking stuff, just like making his own trail. And I'm like, "This is about as good as it's gonna get." Start shooting at him. So he shoots the first time. I throw my rifle up, and he shoots the first time, and I see bark go flying off a tree, like right over the bear's head. And I'm yeah. like, "All right, get another one in there and shoot again." And I'm thinking to myself, "Holy smokes, this thing is." Huge. The bear, me standing on the ground, I'm only 5'7", but the bear's eyes are like over mine. Yeah. It's like taller, basically taller than I am. It's not really, but it's like... That's what it feels With his like, head yeah. up, you know, above its back and things like cruising along, I get, I'm like looking the thing in the eye as it's coming at us, and I'm like, man, that son of a bitch is big. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots again and shoots it right in the, like directly in the middle of the chest and the yeah. thing piles up it like goes flying right by us like dying rolling yeah kind of thing grips onto a tree with its teeth and dies so it's like hanging over the edge of this like it would have rolled a hundred yards plus yeah. down into a, like a crappy area to skin the thing but it bit this tree so Luke comes around and we're all standing around like, holy smokes, that was pretty intense. That thing was like, I was like, man, that thing's bearing right down on us. That's something else. And sure enough, we're like, well, we'll just wiggle this thing over here and we'll get it in this nice little spot. We did go back to the boat. We had to get a pry bar to get the bear to come off the tree. That's nuts. Bit onto the tree enough so that... Literally a pry bar, which we needed to come along to because the bear was needed to be come along back up to where it was flat, you know, to get yeah. it in an area where we could skin it. But it was the only time I ever seen one like bite onto something like that when it was dying to yeah. like hold on because it knew it was fu- going to fall. So it just like bit onto the tree right next to it. But then it died and Man. it was like locked there. Pry bar to get the thing off the tree. Jeez. <clears throat> That's nuts. So probably one of our last stories. <laughs> what do you? How do you feel about guiding bow hunters? Oh, man, <laughs> no, it depends. I know what I'm trying to get you to say because you said it. Before. <laughs> it depends on the bow hunter, but son of a gun, man! Everybody wants. It's like bow hunting got trendy, and it just sucks because. So many people want to be a bow hunter, but it takes a lot of work to be a bow hunter. And there's a lot of trendy bow hunters out there. And, you know, most of the time, bow hunters, like I said earlier, or whatever, when we were talking earlier, um, most of the time, bow hunters are really good shots and really quiet. But a lot of the times when bow hunters show up, I'm like... Sweet, I get to shoot this deer. <laughs> I get to shoot that. And kind of a precursor. <laughs> the way you know, the way it, it works for us down there and we're pretty upfront about it is you know, especially a lot of times 
with a you get group, with a bow with a bow. You get groups of guys coming and hunting together on the same boat, and the the general policy is nothing makes it off. If if you're hunting the beach, you know for, which, nothing makes it off the beach alive. For like for deer, for the most part, yeah, is deer the, is the deal because you're hunting late in the year. You got a bunch of people. Everybody wants to shoot a deer, and you've got very little amount of time in the day. So that was one of the things that I'd always say to people: is I'm going to be out there on the bow of the boat. You know, a lot of times you shut the motor off, and the boat drifts in. It stops right next to before it hits the beach, and the deer are just like milling around on the beach. They don't know what yeah. a boat is, that it's like massive amounts of danger coming from yeah. the boat, you know? And you wait until the boat stops, it like just barely touches the beach, and you're like, okay, shoot one. So these guys will shoot, and you know, sometimes it's rifle hunters, sometimes it's bow hunters. It depends on the situation, but I always tell the bow hunters that I'm going to have my crosshairs on the deer where you should shoot it. You know where the boiler room is. You're accomplished bow hunter, you say. Shoot the thing where you need to. If the arrow doesn't hit where I can see in my crosshairs, like where I think it should hit, whether you're hitting the lungs or the heart or whatever, I'm going to shoot the deer. It's done. I'm not chasing the deer around in the woods for half the day because you shot it in the guts and I got to go find the thing for you. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, yeah. you've been telling me that you're really good with your bow, so you should be. Yeah. Um. You know, that one dude told me, oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm good. Shoots the arrow, like, barely. There's, like, no penetration at all. The arrow's, like, flopping out of the lower arm of the deer. So I'm like, click, click, rack one in. Pow! Shoot the deer. Falls over. I'm like, sorry, man, but that's, you know, we'll get you on another deer that you can get with your bow. Well, it's not dead yet. If I go up and stick it with an arrow and kill it, while it's dying, it still counts as my twenty one of my twenty nine. <laughs> I was like, "Well, you know, sure, I could care less, you know, but I don't know how that would really go down in the books." Yeah, it's sure funny. Enough, he ran ran right up there and stuck another arrow in a deer that's like barely just taking its last couple breaths, and you know, I don't know. I've had people that. I put on deer at 20 yards, broadside. I was like, it's going to be coming off the beach. It'll come down this little trail right here. Right when it gets done eating, we'll post up right here on top of this little hill. You'll have a 20-yard broadside shot. I'll grunt. I'll go, stop the deer. It'll guaranteed 100%. It'll stop, and it'll swing its head and look up at us. As soon as it stops, shoot it. Okay, yep, no problem. Deer walks off the beach. I'm like, okay, here it comes. Get ready. Walks up. Deer stops. Tunk. The arrow misses by four feet in front and six feet over at 20 yards from somebody oh, that man. told me they, you know, all morning I shoot. I can shoot groups. It's 50 yards with my recurve bow that you can cover with a 50 well, cent. Well, this piece particular kind of one was a compound. I think, no, that one was a oh, that, that was a was? recurve bow, yeah. Um, and you know, it's just one of those things. It's like you need to know. I always say that whatever you're using to harvest animals with should be an extension of your hand. Yeah, be it a bow, a rifle, anything. And not to say that that you know 
every if you hunt very long, everybody will miss and everybody will make bad oh, shots. Yeah, I've trust me, yeah. I've missed plenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it but, happens. Yeah, but it's just like I mean, some of the stories I've heard from you of yeah, oh so and so, you know, like after I left, oh this group got in, you know just winging stuff left and right and still proceed not being like all right it's yeah. time to pick up the rifle because i'm whether it's just being out of my element or whatever like this is not good for these animals to be crippling them up like this you know? right exactly and i did have a guy that was like i will not shoot a deer unless it's with my bow and i we went to this particular spot, and I was like, oh, there's deer running around. We'll rattle, see if we can get a bigger one to come out of the woods. It was, like, wide open. This deer just got hung up. But one of the biggest blacktails that I've ever seen down there hung up at, like, 180 yards and just would not come a step further. And I was like, that is the biggest blacktail that I've ever seen here. That is a beautiful deer. Really? That's a big one. And I was like, man, that thing is huge. He's like, Mrah. all right, fine. <laughs> Give me your rifle. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, we're going <laughs> to lay this sucker down. And I know my rifle is like dialed yeah. right in, like, especially at 180 yards, just like hold it right on and just lay that thing down. This guy hadn't shot a rifle in years. I mean, no, like, 10 years or 12 yeah. years or something like that. He's a bow, like straight up bow hunter. Like yeah. I do not shoot rifles. He emptied my gun. Never, never got within like four feet of the deer with any one of the shots. Totally gone. All the ammo that was on my sling went through the gun. All the ammo that was in the rifle went through it. Nothing deer walked off into the woods. <laughs> Man. Done deal. Ouch. And it just happened to be that it all worked out because the next day he shot a beautiful three-by-three that made book with his bow. Nice. And he was like, couldn't be happier, you know? It was a huge buck. It was <laughs> still to this day the biggest deer that I've ever seen down there. Yeah. But all he wanted was to get one that made book that was, you know, yeah, with his bow. So that's nice. I mean, in the end, hanging, yeah, putting his tag, you know, if it's, you know, if it's your personal thing that, you know, right. it's not going to mean near as much to you to shoot it with a rifle, then, yeah, you know, that worked out. Yeah. And I guess to finish up here, because we're, we're getting pretty long, but hopefully it's you're sticking with it. Um, we, you know, we've been been ragging on <laughs> on some, some, some unfortunate clients, but I will, you know, one story I'll kind of finish up with was the last time I was down there helping guide spring bear hunts. Um, there was two guys hunting, um, father and son from Mexico, uh, really cool, really cool people. And, uh, and I don't know, the father was probably in his lower seventies and we got, got him a nice bear and then it was dragging on and on the younger guy. He was about 40 and super nice dude. And, uh, but the whole time, you know, I could tell he was worried about, you know, we had a couple of weather days like you normally do. And every morning at breakfast and I, you know, spoke more Spanish than anyone else there. So I, I was like the favorite guy, I guess. And actually was able to brush up on it a little bit, but, uh, every morning he'd be like, Tyler, you know, tell, tell me the truth. Do you, do you think I'm going to get a bear? I'm like, yeah, you're going to get a bear. 
you know, I'm like just waiting it, you know, it was one of those years where there's just not a lot hitting the beaches and whatnot. We, we put a lot of time in looking and finally, uh, and this guy, he had uh, muscular dystrophy. I think he had where he just had no strength or balance. And like, you literally had to hold the guy's hand and, you know, as much as it's you know, fun to poke fun, you know, the ineptness of, of some clients like this, this guy wanted it bad. And he, uh, was finally, I think day eight, we finally got him a bear and the dude was so happy, you know, just the difference, like some of the guys that it's easy to tell these stories about that. It's just like, what are they even thinking? Yeah. You know, but and then you get guys like that, that are, that are kind of crippled up or disabled, giving you know, it they're all like every yeah, single it, bit that giving they it, have given it a hundred percent. And, you know, like even, even with their story, there's a few things that, you know, were kind of goofy, but, uh, but man, like they both wanted it and he wanted it really bad and just kind of and gave it a hundred percent and got, his, got himself a really nice bear. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, there's, I'm sure there'll be way more, way more of that type of banter to come. Frank will be back on here before too long, I'm sure. But right on. Yeah. yeah. Love to. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks for sitting down with me again. And, uh, if you like the podcast, uh, go on, give, give us, give me a review on iTunes. Um, a good one. If you're going to give a bad one, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good luck right. with that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Frank. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Stay tuned. Right on.